buy your property now. Do not wait for five years or set when the time is right or the property's right. It's never going to be right and it's never going to be the way you want it. And it's never going to end up the way you want it. But I know one thing, it's going to end up better than what you are without it. Welcome to the Inspired to Thrive podcast. I'm your host, Phoebe Lay, and in each episode, I will be sharing with you insights from either an inspiring person or myself to help you thrive and shine online and in person. We talk about all things marketing, relationships, money, business, growth, mindset, and more. So thanks for tuning in, and I look forward to seeing you inspired to thrive. Hey guys, welcome back to the Inspire to Thrive podcast. Today, I have an incredible guest who not only inspires me when it comes to their wealth of knowledge in property, investing and building wealth, but this person has an incredible story to tell and I'm very excited and looking forward to having him share that fascinating story of not only how he went from coming to Australia and well starting out in you know at a young age with pretty much nothing to now having a property portfolio that is helping him create passive income and he specializes in helping others to create passive net income and wealth creation utilizing property as a vehicle so Harry Mariculous welcome to the Inspire to Thrive podcast Thanks, Phoebe, for having me. Actually, Phoebe, I was actually born in Australia and my parents were born in Australia. So my grandfather came out from Greece many years ago and had the opportunity of working for my dad, being the son of a Greek parent. He worked in the business. And it's very interesting that I've met people that in, in this industry of real estate that have actually had the same journey as me, like Con. He started off at the back of a butcher shop and I started off at the back of a fish shop. It's been an interesting journey, but there's one thing I've learned, houses or land over a period of time, create wealth. Most safest way of creating wealth. Harry, you live by the motto, if you can't see it, if you can't dream it, you can't create it. What kind of advice would you give people that at the moment are finding the whole idea of purchasing property a bit too far-fetched and they're starting to shift their mindset? You know, there are so many people that I speak to that are starting to now move away from property, from looking at buying property as an investment and they'd prefer to do share investments and all sorts of other things. There is a lot of people in Australia, especially the people that are around the 25 to 35 years of age, and they're looking at lifestyle and renting, looking at lifestyle and renting and not buying property because it's too far out of their reach. Here's the thing. If you can't afford it yourself, find a friend and do it together, but make sure you've got the legals in place to make that work because renting is going to be extremely expensive also. So you won't be able to rent and you won't be able to buy. So where are you going to live? So I'd say delayed gratification and make sure that you're not for the now and look for the future because it's a thing that takes a bit of time to happen. But when it does happen, you'll be amazed. 
Absolutely. That's such great advice, Harry. And I want to go back to the beginning, Harry, before we dive into the property market and your recommendations, I want to go back to the very beginning. You shared a story with me that I still remember till this day, and it was about the difference between your mindset versus your father's mindset and how far things or how far things have come for you, but also how much things have changed and the different generational mindsets. Could you tell us a little bit about your story and your childhood and what, you know, what was your father figure and your, your parents influence on you and how did that affect the way you look at investing and property? Well, dad put into me, my dad was a very hardworking guy. Like he worked 32 years in one business. His weekends was his time off, but he never actually had a holiday in the 30, 32 years that he, 35 years that he owned the business. It was his customs were everything and his business was everything. And his family was everything as well, but it's on the weekends for that. And he installed in me the worth ethic. But what I did realize that he never enjoyed the fruits of his life because he, um, anyway, a bit emotional. Hang on. Um, yeah, he died. I don't know what happened to me. I'm getting all these feminine things. <laughs> um, he died uh, very quickly. Three months he, he died. And uh, yeah, he couldn't replace holiday. But but we did accumulate a bit, but we weren't allowed to talk about money. We never budgeted. We just made more. So that was his what way around his mindset about money is work hard and make more money. Yeah, it's about. Wow, Harry, thank you so much for sharing that, and that's very touching. I'd I'd never seen that side before as well. So it must be something that would influence the way you see money and work, right? I would assume that, I mean, I come from a generation where people don't understand delayed gratification. I come from a generation where people, a lot of people spend what they earn and very quickly. And it's about the holidays that they go on, the clothes and the brands and the labels that they wear. And unfortunately, investing isn't necessarily something that everybody grows up to understand and to be familiar with. So I remember you telling me a story about when your father purchased a farm. Could you tell us a bit about that as well and share that with us? So I always knew that when I was about 20, I thought, well, I needed a house to live and I needed something to live in. And we we're working together in, in the shop. My sister and my brother-in-law were there as well. And I looked at a house and at the same price for 147 acres in Narnagoon was the same price as a house in Melbourne. And I thought, look how much land I could get for the same price as I can get a, a 550 square metre block of, in uh, Bentley or Moorabbin. And I said, well, let's buy the farm. And and I love farming because my grandfather had a farm at Officer and it was sort of my childhood dream to have a farm and it was my happy place. So we bought the farm and I made every mistake in the that you could ever make as a farmer, but 
I improved it. I capital improved it. I did fencing, troughs, value added on the farm. And then we sold that one and bought another one in Pakenham, three kilometres out of Pakenham. But there wasn't a lot of money cash flow in farming because every dollar you spent today, it was three years before you got a return out of farming. So when dad died quickly, we decided that maybe that's not the place. Well, other people, well, other family members decided it wasn't the place to create wealth. And we stuck with a fish shop and sold the farm. And then the farm became PSB residentially zoned. But then again, it was 30 years later before that happened. So, you know, we all got a story to tell. But that's made me realise that delayed gratification is something that I'm trying to install in a lot of people because 95% of the Australian population, you can say 92, 93, 94, 95, will rely on the government for help when they retire. And that doesn't buy you a pie for lunch. So the choice is there for everybody. Either you choose it now or you choose it later. I'd prefer to choose it now and work for the future because I know a lot of people say, oh, I might make 65, but I'm pretty sure that you will because I think our average age is about 82 now for men and 85 for women. And if you want to live a lifestyle of not being able to afford the designer clothes and not being able to afford a good lunch at 68 years of age or 70 years of age, go down that track. It's your choice. I can't make you. I can only tell you from experience. Okay. So yeah, that's what I say for people that don't worry about delayed gratification. It's your choice. Harry, you have children of your own and now grandchildren as well. And obviously times are changing and you know, like we've mentioned, like we're talking about now, there's a lot of people that don't think they can enter the property market. There are a lot of people that are renting, they're spending a lot of what they earn and the cost of living is going up. What would be your advice for people that are trying so hard to purchase their first home? And why is it necessary for people to spend on hiring or utilizing the services of a buyer's agent when they can contact a real estate agent or go and do the research themselves? Well, what I find by being a buyer's agent, and I must admit, I've only been a buyer's agent for about the last 12 months or 18 months. It's about my span as a buyer's agent. I've been a developer for a lot longer than that. Um, my reason for doing this is to help people create wealth and make sure that they buy the best price in the best location that they can afford. And I've had clients come to me and say, they're looking at from Epping to Mordialic for a house. And I've had other clients say to me that oh, I waited for the auction before I made an offer and then got bidded out where they could have made an offer four days earlier, where they could have made an unconditional offer by getting all their ducks in a row. And there's a lot of reasons why you go to a buyer's agent he can get properties before they're actually hit on, come onto the market through relationships with agents. He can get pre-market, post-market and on the market properties. He can get distressed properties that where we can find out that the bank is sort of trying to organize a mortgagee's auction 
and sell it at a discount rate of 25 or 20%. And we can find that property for them. Now, I understand that a lot of people, younger generation want to live where all the action is and go to the coffee shops and the restaurants and not buy a property. So rent where you want to live and buy where you can afford to would be a good option to kick yourself off. And don't look for four toilets and five televisions and three living zones. Try and find something that my dad bought was three bedrooms, one lounge room, one dining room and a kitchen. And it was called out of Melbourne. And when I jumped the fence, there was potatoes growing in behind me in a market garden. And it was East Bentley. So this is an area that was a long way out from Melbourne. Wow. In 1962. So think about what the population growth is going to be and how far we're going to be traveling before you decide to say no. Wow, Harry, I had no idea that that farm you were telling me about was East Bentley. Yeah, wasn't mine. It was called the Marriott's Estate. And that's what gave me the idea that buying a farm in the southeastern suburbs or southeastern Melbourne was going to one day become residential property. But I couldn't get my vision across to other people, you know. They didn't want delayed gratification. Speaking of delayed gratification and vision, I love this topic because I I really believe that when you have a strong vision, you can manifest what you desire. You've got to obviously put that into action, but it does take having a goal, setting it and, and putting that at the forefront. What was your vision when you were growing up, Harry? What was your vision as a child? I want to retire at 30 but that didn't happen. So I had to put it, push it a bit back further than that. Um, my vision was probably uh, not being able to go to work for somebody or have my own business and controlling my 90% of my week. That was my vision. I didn't want to have that noose around my neck or my family's neck that we had to rely on hard work to make a living. I think that what you've just shared is the vision of a lot of people and not everyone necessarily gets the luxury of retiring by 30 or 40 and and that does get pushed out but one thing is true it is very fulfilling and satisfying to be working for yourself which is exactly what you were doing at Harry's Homes and you are helping people fulfill their financial dreams and really rewiring their mindset when it comes to wealth tell us a little bit about Harry's Homes. I know that you obviously go to auctions for your clients. You do a lot of research for them. And essentially what you help them to do is save hundreds of hours and you get them to fast track their property purchasing journey. Tell us a bit about that. So in my business, Harry's Homes, I've got a partner, Arj, and Arj is a systems analyst. And he drills down on the numbers and he makes sure that we're looking at areas where we can get growth and also that we're buying in an area that is good for investors, but more so good for families. So we can have, if the investors pull out of the area, the families will purchase anyhow. We look at the land size, the rental return, the positive or negative cash flow for the investor. We try 
as hard as we can to find positive cash flow properties at this stage because that's putting money in the in the pocket and also giving you a buffer where if the interest rates go up another quarter of a percent you're not eating into your weekly income and being negatively geared and infecting your lifestyle and that has happened to me i've had seven properties in three states as an investor and i realized that i was very negatively geared my full entire wage and were living off my wife's wage and i every 12 months when the tax returns were made we lived very well for three and a half months and then we scrimped and saved for the rest of the year trying to make things work but i did get very good growth out of those properties and i was very fortunate that growth made me able to do harry's homes because it takes a while to build harry's homes and it takes a lot of trust in other people trusting me with their life savings and it's a huge responsibility for me and i take that on board and i get very emotional that they've given me that love so yeah we make harry's homes a package and now we're going to a, an area where we're getting a mortgage cliff and people are really struggling there's one in three properties on the market or getting into a stage where they're finding it very difficult to hold on to their property so we're offering the opportunity for people to look into that area and see if they can buy a property even with a friend because it's no good having a four-bedroom house and only using one so you can rent out a couple of bedrooms and help your cash flow and we make sure that you buy closer to stations or tra public transport for people that want to use them as a bedroom and pay you a rent for that there's obviously a lot of legalities around that and people that invest in other with other people you know we we obviously don't do that or hear that often you know i i hear more of parents and you know father daughter mother daughter you know or father son purchasing property together what would you say or what are the pitfalls to avoid when people are purchasing property with their friends make sure you get the documents done properly you get a solicitor we've got solicitors in our, our lawyers in our organization that'll draw up documents to make sure that both parties are fairly and honestly represented and never go into a, a relationship without any documentation I don't care if it's your mother, your father, your brother, or your sister. Circumstances change for them. What you see as white, other people see as black, and what and vice versa. So make sure it's on paper. It's something that in my early life I probably learnt that lesson with my own family. So make sure it's on paper and make sure that you know that you can call on that because if you ever watch Judge Judy, people go to court for ten dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, And Harry, for the listeners that are tuning into the show right now, and they're actually already in the property market, they've purchased their first home, they're investors, they are, you know, I'd call them seasoned investors. What advice would, would you give them at this very stage in the market? The advice I'd give them in the market at the moment now, Here's an example 
we lived it in East Bentley and the house behind us, I think about 1974 or 72, sold for $26,000. And it went for auction and, 20, and my dad turned around and said, oh, I'm not going to pay that sort of money for that house. So dear. You know, and I couldn't believe that when we sold my dad's house, it sold for 1.3 something million dollars and that house sold for 1.45 million dollars. So if the market goes down in a year or goes up in a year, don't look at property for a year. It's not in a year's game. It's 10 year game or 15 year game, even 20 years. They say in the third lot of 10 years is where you really get the benefit of compounding. And I believe that's a hundred percent true. So hang in there, stay true to your goals because you're not in a five minute business. Such great advice, Harry. And how about interstate? I mean, do you recommend people start investing in other cities in Australia? You know, obviously the show, a lot of our listeners are in Australia and we're talking about the Australian market and we're recording this in August, 2023 at the moment, but the numbers don't lie. So Melbourne's gone down about 0.8% and Sydney's gone down 0.7%. So those two, but they'll bounce back because they've got a huge population, but you've got to outlay quite a bit of dollars to get into those markets. Now we looked at a capital city because we don't believe in small town as much as what we like for investors. So we looked at the capital city and we're purchased in the capital city. And now we at the same money within four months, we can't buy back into that, that capital city. Now I'm not saying that the next 12 months, it'll get that as be as good as that. But what I'm saying is that the purchase price in that capital city for 12 to 14 kilometers, you cannot buy in Melbourne. And that's why I bought a property in the Western suburbs in Footscray 10 years ago because I couldn't find anything on the southeastern suburbs for the five kilometers out of Melbourne for the same money. So look at properties in other states. If you've got a good property manager, you don't have to drive past every day and have a look at it. Really, even in Footscray, I think I saw it once a year. So don't, don't think that you have to buy in your street because probably you can't afford in your street. That's why you've given up. Don't give up, uh, buy something and then sell that something to buy something else and sell that something to buy something else. And that's called, well, I believe in hopping the ladder of property. Harry, how is it that there are some people and you hear of stories of single mothers building a property portfolio from a $70,000 wage or less? Mm -hmm. How is it that there are some people that can utilize that and utilize things like, you know, obviously their mortgage and the value of their home and how can they build such a big portfolio when there are some people that are struggling? That is a very good question, Phoebe. That's, that's something that I've been listening to and, and I've seen it's a mindset. If your mindset's right and you believe in your, what you're doing, right. And you don't defalter from that, you will create extreme wealth. And these people look at properties. They don't look at the best property that they can buy. 
they don't look at the, the biggest property that they can buy. They just buy a property and they make the numbers work and they look at the numbers and say, well, this is what I'm going to get if I do this, this, and this to the property. And they keep that property and leverage that property to buy the next property. And it's very possible. If you can train your mind to believe, you will believe. And obviously the banks, they look at the value of your home and there's a lot of factors that get taken into consideration. Now, shifting gears a little bit, you know, property, that's very much a hot topic, but also I'd love to talk about business. I mean, you've been now, you know, in business with your partner for quite some time. You could say it's, it's fairly, I guess, could say you've been doing it for a while, but for those that are wanting to start a business with a partner, how did you manage to bring on someone that has such a fantastic skill set? and what choices did you make or what were the deciding factors that helped you bring on a business partner to expand Harry's homes and provide more to your customers and clients? Not only Harry's homes, he's also in Sunnybrook's group, which is our development business as well. How did I decide? I needed a skill set that I haven't got. That's probably my main decision why I picked Arj. He showed commitment and dedication in what he believed in. We did a course together, a property development course together. So we, I knew the he had the foundations. But if you're going to pick a partner, you're not going to pick on little things every day that the other partner doesn't get right or does get right. You're going to look at the bigger picture and go and, and get what needs to be done and get it done. That's probably the most important thing of picking a partner. Yeah. And also communication is probably the a key thing between each other as well. We complement each other on strengths and weaknesses. I'm more the extrovert and he's more the numbers man. The introvert, the the person that wants to get down to the nitty gritty, he's very detail orientated. I'm a bigger picture person. So that's where we complement each other the, the most. And uh, yeah, and it's, and it's working. It's working. We've got two different cultures, by the way. He's an Indian background and I'm Greek background. He's got a young family. My family's very self-sufficient. So... It's, it's a different time factor with each other's ability to do things. You know, I'm in bed by nine o'clock. He's in bed by 1230. So yeah, different age groups. I'm up at six. He's, you know, so it's a bit, a bit of a difference on those things, but we, we work it together. We work things out together and we get things done. That's fantastic, Harry. Thank you. Now, um, I'd love to touch on you know, a little bit more about your, the family dynamic and how you've been able to manage running, you know, multiple businesses and career changes and, and taking care of your family and what that was like as, you know, as a man in things are obviously shifting now, the dynamic is shifting. There are a lot of women that are very highly successful and breadwinners, et cetera. But what was that like for you? Was there a lot of pressure for you to take care of your family? And, and how did you overcome all the challenges and the pressure that would have taken place over the years and the decades that you've been taking care of your family? Well, I was very fortunate that my wife is, is also in 
management area in the banking industry and very blessed that she's able to do that role. I was also fortunate that because my dad died, my mum never got married again and she was able to handle a few of the children's roles. So I just worked, you know, I had a sandwich bar, which was quite good for the family up until children were about 10 and 11. But then I decided that there wasn't enough dollars in that. So I bought a fish and chip shop and the hours in that were phenomenal, but it was great business. And I also was running a 400 acres lease property in Hastings from Blue Scope Steel. And I was leasing that as uh, my love. So that was every every day off, every afternoon, just before I opened it, you know, it was chaos. Um, looking back at it now, I thought to myself, well, I was going down the road of working, not any passive income, just working very, very hard. And by that saying that, I got some advice of a person called Sean O'Reilly from, he was doing a speech at an Amway conference. And I, that's another story in itself. And I, I went for him to advice and he said, change directions, Harry. Sean actually ended up with about a few properties in Warrigal and I uh, read his book and I changed direction and uh, it was a big pivoting moment in my life. Amazing. Harry, thank you so much for what you've shared with us today. I want to end the show today with some rapid fire questions, Harry. It will allow our listeners to get to know you on a deeper level. And the way this goes is I'm going to ask you four or five questions and you just need to share with me your answer from the top of your head. How does that sound? Yeah, that's great. But um, no, no heads up on this one. So this is off the cuff. Hopefully no tricky questions. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Harry, for the listeners that are wondering, if there was one thing that you cannot live a single day without, whether it's something physical or non-physical, what would that one thing be? My family. Yep. It sounds like your family seriously are an inspiration and they are your everything. Yeah. Yep. Who or what inspired you or inspires you to be the man that you are today and to do what you do? I've had a few mentors in my life and I respect all of them. One person, probably my dad, have to be my dad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the things he was wrong with, some of the things he was right with, not everything he said was perfect. But he gave me the ethics. So, Harry, what is your five-year goal? Well, my five-year goal would be probably to retire on about 200 acres in the Gippsland area, running cows and calves and driving my Massey Ferguson tractor and people ringing me up and telling me how well they've done with the properties that we purchased them and that their families become much wealthier knowing me. And, and that would be a great blessing. I'd love to do that. That is beautiful and I, I really hope to see that come true and come to fruition. Thank you. Yeah, it will. Harry, what is one big takeaway that you've had recently, one big takeaway that changed the way you view the world? My biggest takeaway that I've, I view the world is, and it would probably be my biggest regret, is not buying a house in my name earlier. Um, 
because people don't write things on paper, I was probably started too late in my investment journey. And if there's one thing that I can get, if you can get out of this podcast is buy your property now. Do not wait for five years or seven, when the time is right or the property is right. It's never going to be right and it's never going to be the way you want it and it's never going to end up the way you want it. But I know one thing, it's going to end up better than what you are without it. So, Yeah, I think there are too many people that are waiting for that market to turn or for it to be going up or they're waiting for the best time or the bottom of bottom of the drop. So I think that's fantastic advice. Well, I wanted to say that uh, there was a lot of naysayers when COVID hit, the property was going to drop 30%. Well, it didn't drop 30, it went up 20. So that's a 50% missed opportunity. And if it comes back 5% now, you're still 45% out of pocket. So if you haven't learned anything by no one can teach you anything. So leave it, leave property, leave anything alone and just do what you're doing and go and spend your money at Maya. Harry, if you could leave the world with one message, I know that you've just shared a, a pretty big message, but if there's one other message that you could leave the world with, what would it be? Don't work for a living. Buy some property that'll give you positive cash flow, that'll replace your income in small chunks. And one property, you're not an investor. I think there's a statistic that says that you've got to have between three to four properties before you can see the multiple effect of compounding. So let's get going. Don't use me, use someone else. If you don't find me attractive, but buy something. Harry, I just want to thank you so much for what you have shared. You are a wealth of knowledge and wisdom. And I definitely know that when it comes to purchasing property, you are the man to seek advice from. You save people so much time, headache and heartache when it comes to investing accumulating wealth through property, but also buying their first home. So I want to thank you so much for your wisdom today and for what you have shared. Thanks very much, Phoebe. It was really a pleasure. I hope I didn't uh, get too uh, emotional, but yeah, it's really nice to bring things out on the table. And I think that, you know, these types of raw interviews are the reason why people tune into this show. So for the listeners that want to connect with you or that want to work with you, how can they get in touch with you, Harry? And what can you do to help them? Well, you can go on my website. It's Harry's Homes Buyers Asian. We've got a website and you can book a call. We can help you with a, a model to show you an investment strategy that we could uh, plan the next 10 years for you and your family. Or we can buy you an owner occupier, which could potentially give you a lifestyle that you want, but also give you a foundation to buy an investment property because we could borrow down on that a bit later down the track and, and buy an investment property or, or stay where you are and rent out. We've got a, um, yeah, still can't read it. Baby, we've got a business model built on family values that can build your wealth for your family 
for generations to come. So get in contact and we'll uh, book a time and we'll have a chat. That is amazing. Harry, thank you again so much for your time. And to the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to the Inspired to Thrive podcast. If you'd like to learn more about Harry Mericulous or Harry's Homes, feel free to get in touch with him on LinkedIn and click on the link in the show notes to get in touch. I look forward to sharing more insights with you guys to help you be stay inspired to thrive and shine not only in business, but also in life. And again, Harry, thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to hearing more about your story and sharing more stories from other inspired guests. Thanks, Phoebe.